So welcome again, friends. And, uh, now we're going to deal with words. <laughs> and these words have their uses because this is the way we can kind of uh, try to, you know, establish it, establish some of this in our in a way of operating. We have to operate in a dualistic world, even though essentially when it all melts down, the dualism's dissolved. <laughs> And how we have to arise into a dualistic world uh, with all the um, compassion that should be there for us and the uh, uh, friendship that should be there for us without the isolation yeah, and without the uh, compulsive fears, anxieties feelings of inadequacy uh, and all the things that come because we're engaging in a conditioned experience sensory world which is innately unsatisfactory it's uh, it's changing it breaks you know, we don't quite meet on this level we try there's always misunderstandings yeah. there's always possibilities you could have done it this way better that way you don't really feel you're doing quite enough to make it as good as it could be yeah and this uh, a sense of you know an obligation to try to get it right you know it's unsatisfactory and yet within this so important to find an accurate sense of purpose and I don't want to just be floating around like a leaf yeah. an ethical orientation I want to live with dignity, self-respect, and ethical clarity, and be reminded of when I'm getting it wrong. But I don't want to be living in a law court, the continual harassment <laughs> and judgment. Yeah. I know, I'm quite willing to to be activated and energized by a sense of meaningful duty I wish to serve yeah. I wish to do what I feel is responsible duty yeah. I'm prepared to give up some of my comforts and so on and my convenience that is an honor but I don't want to be a slave this kind of um, wanting to be meaningful to me, to my heart. Mm. And all these kind of are things that are, I think are important for all of us mm. to live rich, fruitful lives. We feel, you know, it's worthwhile being here. 
not just for our gratification, but for a sense of something grander and more long-lasting. In this unsatisfactory, changing, confusing world. And how does that occur? And what are the pitfalls? And I would suggest that, like the title of this talk, The Inner Tyrant, is about one of the major pitfalls that people of good intention suffer from. And maybe people of not good intention don't have a problem with it. <laughs> it's the people who think they're selfish and inadequate are generally hardworking. <laughs> the people who don't think they're selfish and inadequate are generally narcissistic. <laughs> so a few of good intention often feel they could be do better and did they make a mistake and or they're so sorry that they forgot to be as polite and respectful as they should have been and uh, that thing they, they said oh that wasn't so good you know and did I offend you know that kind of thing goes on yeah and am I welcome here uh, am I doing good enough and this kind of cascades or coagulates into this um, an inner inner quality that can be uh, doubting you harassing you um, Intensely critical and judgmental. Um, not just in terms of magnifying speech and actions that perhaps were not of the highest quality. <laughs> but also <laughs> generating these standards of perfection and efficiency. <laughs> Yeah, and purity that you never reach and they just keep moving ahead of you they just keep the bar keeps lifting as you get as you get taller the bar keeps lifting <laughs> you get these standards of of perfection uh, and uh, this perfectionism is a form of cruelty <laughs> rather than aspiration yeah? so people can feel themselves intensely um and then when you come into something like uh, you know Buddhist Buddhist practice, you've got some pretty pretty high standards. You know, trying to follow the, the Tathagata, that's a difficult act. <laughs> go on after that one, <laughs> let alone da, da 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 da. You know, so how do you how do you get a foothold on this without just feeling hopeless? And and does that actually help you? Since we're all learners. Since we're all start from having some considerable attachments and probably weaknesses and defilements and so forth, how do you actually lift meaningfully rather than get crushed by a sense of, of lack of worth? And this is, of course, for Buddhists, but I imagine it's the case for any kind of activity where you have an aspiration where you have uh, something really beautiful you want to do and somehow or another you, you can't quite hit those ultimates. I think this is just something to recognise as an issue for people and very common. 
so I'd just like you to mention a few things. Purpose, duty, assessment, how am I doing? Um, ethical orientation, am I doing it right? Belonging, am I doing enough to feel welcomed and accepted by others? Let's try to kind of flag a few of these points because these are all points in which I suggest you're going to hit this inner tyrant quality. Mm. Yeah. That you should do more, that you're not welcome unless you do a lot more. <laughs> it's your responsibility unless you do a lot more. Mm. You had a you had a not very nice thought. That's not very good. <laughs> uh, or you were lacking in compassion. You know, you missed out on somebody. You forgot somebody. You know, ethical orientation. Um, you haven't worked hard enough. And when the assessment comes in, you know, what does it assess and how does it? How is assessment different from judgment? And how do any of these things, purpose, assessment, ethical orientation, duty, belonging, how do these things become positive rather than negative? Now what I'm going to suggest simply, and I hope we can kind of take this a bit further into questions, um, because I probably will not, you know, I won't do very well at this. <laughs> I won't be good enough. I'm sure. <laughs> so this thing called the mind, right, <laughs> which you may have noticed is as a tremendous gift, but is also a considerable problem. <laughs> and I'd like to look at the Buddhist analysis, get some of the Buddha's language behind this. And the word mind is normally translated in two different ways in, in the Pali suttas. And one is citta, which is the most common. And uh, this is to do with impulse, intentionality, which where the motivation, the urge to do or to be, and the sense of I. Yeah. So it's a place of awareness, knowingness, but also intentionality. It's not a, it's not a thinker. It's a, it's a sense of motivation. Right? It feels. It's affected and feels, it's sensitive. It actually doesn't belong in the sense world. But it is associated with the sense world through another aspect of mind called manas. And manas you know, so is the external aspect of mind. So we might think of the internal aspect, we might call it heart, just for a word. External aspect, manas. Manas surveys the sense spheres and says, oh, so I'll pick that. Looking for what's good or right. So that, 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 that. Here you go. And it, it conjures up objects. Just as when we look out of the window, wherever you are, I look out of the window and it's oh tree. Now actually what I see is an un is an unbroken screen of shades and colours and tonalities and shapes. But my manas says, oh, there's a tree, and that's maybe, you know, I don't know, 20 paces away. The eye doesn't see that. Attention. It's all going to manas. The action of manas is called attention, manasikara. 
So it picks a particular finite object and then it hits the jitta with tree. Yeah. Oh, tree. Jitta, oh, nice tree. I like trees. And it generally, manas is being told by jitta, go out and find me something nice or agreeable or comfortable or, or even anything I need to be aware of. So it sends signals to jitta, okay, nature, nothing threatening, everything's fine, you know, jitta feels comfortable. So it's heart and we'll call it mind. These two aspects and manas is the organ of attention and all it can do is assemble objects within within the sense spheres. That's its function. It sees shapes and sights, it hears sounds and it translates them. That sound is a blackbird. It's not a lion, it's not a computer, it's a blackbird. And then that blackbird creates a meaning. Blackbird, nice, sweet bird, happy jitter. Jitter can't hear it, so he gets these called perceptions. Pali word sanya. So manas generates a perception, drops it into the jitta, touches the jitta, jitta, oh, feels pleased or whatever. That's what it does. Manas does that. The jitta has the ability to disengage and move around. It's, oh, I had enough of seeing, I want to hear something instead. It can move from sense base to sense base. It can also say, I've had enough of sense consciousness altogether, I just want to sit in loving kindness, which is not out there. I just want to sit in my own meaning, loving kindness. I want to sit in a sense of appreciation, gratitude, which is not an object, it's a heart quality. It can disengage from that. And it can so deeply release qualities, it can, it can actually enter what's called the deathless or the unconditioned. Right? <laughs> but this is where the meanings are in the jitta values. Yeah. Now, when we are, particularly in our literary world, in our conceptually oriented world, whereas most of the time we're dealing with future, past, we're, we're, we're operating through symbols and concepts. We're looking at squiggles, calling them letters, making them into words. We're looking at numbers, saying, oh, that's April the 20th, that's 2025. And we believe all these things are real. These are con concepts and symbols. They're also, um, we're programmed into qualities such as efficiency, um, follow everyone else. Yeah. To belong, you have to follow the leader, whoever the leader is. We're conditioning to believe when we belong to a country or a nation, and we believe there is such a thing. Uh, we chant anthems, we salute flags. What are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> really, you know, and how, how it's, it's a useful thing perhaps, but... Mm. So we get all kinds of meanings and ideas planted that manas is checking out. Are those things being, you know, those things happening around me? Am I getting the right signals? Am I dutiful enough, um, loyal enough, and so forth? And these are all abstractions. And we're looking to find 
And feeling comfortable, feeling settled, feeling purposeful, feeling meaningful, feeling we belong to something is actually abstract. Right? Now, if I see the person walking down the street, I don't have to know whether they're American or Japanese or Nigerian, really. It's a, it's a, it's a human being, you know? Once we start to think in terms of nationalities, then all sorts of comparisons begin to occur, don't they? And of course, nations themselves are split into various sub-nations and subgroups with comparisons and mistrusts and issues and, hmm, yeah, around. And yet every, every one of those beings is a sentient human being with a sense of meaning, value, belonging, fear, worry, love, pain, right? And the rest of it, that's the reality of it, yeah? And the rest of it, how useful is that? And we can see these things can be terribly, terribly hindering and crippling for what is really beautiful and decent in human beings. By and large, our lives orient around the conceptual, the abstract, uh, and the jitta doesn't doesn't belong there. Because the, the concepts themselves And along with that, as we get into that, we also adopt certain, you know, conceptual standards of which are abstract. And particularly in industrialized societies, when you get a large society, there's a sense in which you are training from infancy to improve, to be better. And this betterment is generally not in terms of, you know, um, can you sort of be more loving, but can you be more intelligent? Can you be more productive? Can you be quicker, stronger? And often in a competitive sense. You know, number 20, being number 26 is not good. Being number one is the best. Maybe being number two is okay after that. You know. So there's a strong drive towards the, the perfection and competitive and along with that comes a sense of failure or loss if you're anything less than that and these things these qualities get ingrained yeah, so that we drive ourselves nobody else is driving we drive ourselves nobody else is criticizing saying you didn't do it well we do it ourselves it becomes viral <laughs> and it's yeah so virtually no one else has to say it at all because we'll say it ourselves. Yeah. And this particular program, and then the manas, the jitta is affected by this sense of inadequacy or fear or got to do more yeah, and, and not quite good enough. This, this, this message has been printed and felt on the jitta so that it's, the manas organ is looking around for signs that will actually validate that experience because yeah. manas follows the orders of jitta jitta is like the blind boss sitting in the office 
saying to the secretary, go and give me something to eat. It gets so that runs around the sense fields looking for where's the satisfactory, happy sense of being good enough. Mm, don't see it, don't see it, don't see it. Comes back to boss, sorry, it's not out there. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you don't see it out there. Where's the sense of being welcomed, unconditionally accepted? Sorry, don't see it. It must be you're not welcome. Yeah. So therefore, what happens, the feeling and the jitter then feels inadequate. And then this program of, of self-aversion, criticism and negativity occurs. And it's irrational. We may assume that we're rational creatures. Fundamentally, we're not rational creatures. We're emotionally charged, uh, responsive creatures for good and for bad. Uh, and that's, that's the nature of chitta. And as we all know, how brutal we can be as human beings, that's definitely possible. How cruel, how suicidal, how obsessive, how addictive, how self-destructive we can be. As human beings and this is the Buddha says as nothing can do you so much harm as an ill-trained jitta this is the kind of stuff it will do and nothing will do you so much good as a well-trained jitta you have to clear these programs you have to wash out these mechanisms you have to get rid of abolish these destructive and negative patterns. Yeah. And you're not going to get it through manas. Manas will only confirm, you know, will only do its orders, it only follow orders. And you cannot find the satisfactory, the completed, the fulfilled in what you see, hear, or even think. Those belong to the sense fields. Chitta doesn't. Its fulfilment, its satisfaction, arises from dwelling and purifying itself. Now, how does that occur? Well, as I said, the jitta has this possibility to, to disengage. If it didn't, there'd be no possibility for liberation. We'd just be automatons, or we'd just be following programs blindly. So one of the purposes, in a way, of talking about the inner tyrant to say, hey, see that? That's not just you. That's, that's a program that we've all got to some degree. That's a, that's a virus. That's not you. That, that's a virus. There's nothing essentially wrong with you. You just got an infection, right? Because I got it too. Think, oh. So for, once you acknowledgement, the jitter goes, oh, well, look at that. Ah, so that, that's what's called the first noble truth. There is suffering. And this first noble truth, the incredible blessing, it doesn't sound great, but it means that instead of saying, I am, I, you know, I am, da, 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 we say, oh, there is the unsatisfactory condition. And the jitter lifts. Well, look at that. Oh, you know, just that. And then, of course, that lifting, the Buddha says, even to get this ability to lift from this condition to witness it is already a sign of awakening. And now you have to do 
you've got the chitta can do that and now you have to follow the path that begins to eliminate how you how you fall into this unsatisfactory conditioned world and make it and try to make it your own make it yourself one of the primary means is just to disengage what we did in a meditation just disengage from the sense fields without falling asleep but actually coming back into just the sense of not abolishing the sense fields but disengaging from it so there is seeing there is a body uh-huh and instead of getting a lot of compulsive action to make something or do something or get involved with it and improve it and change it and figure out why it's like this just to use that to arrest intention intention is the driver intention is the impulse intention is the inclination intention is the doer the fixer the improver the changer the analyzer it's always spurred by some intention and now we're using attention holding it steady in order to get your intentions just to rest listen up that's all just receive 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 linger that should be your intention receive linger stay stay and linger and open then your jitta is actually stepping back not just from sense consciousness but external sense consciousness but the mental consciousness which is very much driven by these improvement drives these judgment drives these critical drives and then what's going to occur over time is you find a sense of centered composed definitely here stable but there aren't all these kind of compulsions and activations going on at least there are if there are they're subdued i can witness them and this is kind of very much you're on the path of practice then to look into these things now you know what supports that is this is all non-conceptual conceptually it's not much at all but it's non-conceptual it's direct and it's very much using the resource of the body not as a sense door with tactile consciousness but as a presence we call the somatic presence yeah it's not associated with particular voluntary activities it's the involuntary quality of life itself as it's embodied and you because your jitter belongs to that senses that is attuned to that so it's calmed and steadied by it so you begin to lift because you now have something else to rest in and that something else becomes increasingly refined as you rest in it but it's no longer physical at all this is embodiment and as we were coming out of the meditation saying don't lose that so you can enter into this sense of the composed inner body where your somatic energies the nervous system if you like to put it in english 
is no longer running out. It's stabilized. And then you open the sense doors. What right now is the first kind of meaning or intention towards this dual in this dualistic condition? And the first meaning I would suggest may not be an idea is may this be well. Makes sense, doesn't it? You know, something reaches out with a quality of why not? It doesn't cost anything. You're not saying it has to be well. Fix it, change it. With the first movement into dualism, the only reason to move into dualism at all is with a sense of blessing. So this is your foundation from the body, the sense of kindness, compassion, opening to that. And that must be your fundamental orientation. So, of course, that can, that can encompass things you're doing when you're getting busy. You say, wait a minute, am I losing that sense of inner balance? When I'm sensing there are mistakes being made, am I losing that sense of compassion and acceptance? And, well, never mind, let's try again. Am I losing that? When I finish my duties, do I ever get a sense of, that was pretty good, you did good enough, you tried. Do you have any sense of congratulation? And if you don't, then you know <laughs> the virus is there. <laughs> because for sure, if you go through a day, yeah, you must have done something halfway, right? Surely. Even if it's pat the dog <laughs> or close the door quietly, you must have done something, right? It couldn't have been an unremitting disaster. Do you ever recollect that? If you kept five precepts, you know, do you ever re recollect it with a sense of, great, because if everybody kept the five precepts, this world would be a place of beauty and sanity. And you've done it. And some of us are keeping a lot more than that and still feeling stained and defiled. <laughs> because the chitta hasn't been cultivated in the sense of metta, mudita, appreciation, admiration, compassion, and equanimity. Some things work, some things wasn't ready to work yet. Oh well. Because you've retained that fundamental core of the warm, embodied heart. And then these programs don't have to take over. So, Practice that when you get kind of sense of you always use this tool called white deep attention, which means you're getting something going. When it when it was that feel like? What does that feel like here? What does it feel? Like? What's that doing to my body? Lost it altogether. And then you should always know your first thing is get back to this. This is where you feel sane. The rest of it is very very suspect to judgmental opinions and views.